0: Is it possible that if you were an introvert, that you can actually become an online influencer? Is it okay if some people might not like you? And maybe that's actually a good thing for helping you yield more influence online. We're going to take a deeper look into these questions. And regardless if you're an introvert or an extrovert, I think you're going to get a lot out of this episode of the Maximize Your Social Influence podcast. Welcome to the Maximize Your Social Influence podcast with Neil Schaefer, where I help marketers, entrepreneurs, and business owners grow their businesses using innovative marketing techniques, leveraging the concept of digital influence throughout digital and social media. Hey, everybody, Neil Schaefer here. We're now at the end of 2020. I hope you're enjoying this holiday season the best you can, despite what we are dealing with, not just here in the United States, but really throughout the world. Today, we are going to shift gears a little bit. As you know, this podcast tends to talk both about influence from the marketing perspective, as well as from the personal perspective. And today, we are going to shift on that personal perspective. I have a very, very special guest, Bob Gentle, and he was kind enough to have me on his podcast. We sort of struck it up, and I've gotten to know him very well online since then, and I really enjoyed the conversation that we had because it covers something that not a lot of people are talking about. That is, if you are on the shy side, okay, now... Shy can mean a lot of things. It can mean introvert. It could mean you're shy when it comes to online activities, or maybe when it comes to specific online activities, such as audio, like what I'm doing here with this podcast, or video, i.e., YouTube, i.e., YouTube. Where the heck did that come from? So, really, you know, how can you move from being a little shy when it comes to being online or certain platforms or certain content mediums to showing up? And you know it was really interesting talking to Bob because he was. We our conversation led to talking about why the idea that some people might not like you is actually a good thing. I know it might sound hard to believe, but I think you'll want to listen to Bob's advice. And really, one of the final things we talked about, which I think is going to give you a lot of value, is how to best navigate. All of the different marketing advice and choices that you have online and really bring it into your own context so this is gonna be a very personal episode but I think at the core of influence is you is your personality and as much as you may want to do things from a business or marketing perspective and you understand them it's easy to get lost when so many people myself included tell you to do so many things so Let's move on to the episode and the interview with Bob Gentle. All right, everybody. Well, I'd love to introduce you now to my friend, Bob Gentle. Bob, welcome to the Maximize Your Social Influence podcast.
1: Hi, Neil. I am really excited by this. Thank you very much for having me. I'm really, really looking forward to this.
0: Well, Bob, thank you. We have a funny story in that Bob interviewed for his, uh, the Digital Marketing Entrepreneur Show podcast. And we had somewhat of a time conflict or a calendar conflict, but a year later, we finally made it happen and and I was on his show and just loved our conversation and thought that Bob really offers a unique perspective into digital marketing, entrepreneurship, and influence that it made sense to have him on my show as well. So welcome, Bob. You know, I know uh, a lot about you. I'm sure our listeners might not know as much as I do. So please introduce yourself and uh, what you do for a living right now.
1: Thanks. Yes, Neil. I am a consultant, a digital marketing consultant, broadly speaking. And I work with corporates, I work with small businesses, and I work with middle sized businesses, all kinds of business sizes, really. For the corporate business, I'm a little bit like a strategic advisor or, from a digital marketing perspective, the NASA flight controller. I think a lot of people will recognize that digital marketing is potentially very complicated. There are lots and lots of specialisms. And a lot of the time people are pulled by one silo or another in the wrong direction. So my job is to really coordinate all of that for the corporates and make sure that they have a clear flight path. There's not going to be any crashes. And then for the smaller businesses, I'm doing much the same thing, but that's either in a sort of one-to-one coaching situation or a, a group coaching situation.
0: Excellent. Bob and our career paths are actually very much aligned in in that I do a lot of those very same things. So it's been really great getting to know you. And you know, today I want to sort of move on to our subject, which is really can an introvert become an online influencer? I know that there's a lot of people listening to this podcast, some are extroverts, some are introverts. I find going to a lot of social media conferences that there's actually more introverts and extroverts. And you would think with social media, it would be the other way around, but it's actually not. Yeah. So I'm sure that there are a lot of people out there that are just afraid or a little bit shy to put themselves out there as much as they really need to more and more to really be seen and be heard. So this Episode is really to serve all of you in my audience, and because you're introvert, you're not asking me for this advice. But I, I know that there's a lot of you out there, and that's why Bob, when Bob pitched me the idea, I thought it'd be great. So let's get started. Obviously, if you are, you know, an entrepreneur, you're a business owner, you know, if you want to leverage digital and especially social media, you sort of need to get out there. So how do you begin the process? And Bob, I think this is something that you've gone through, which is why you're so passionate about it. How do we begin the process of moving from a shy introvert to to that beginning stage, which is showing up online?
1: Well, I think you're absolutely right. I did a little survey on Twitter. That was probably around a year ago. I said, just general Twitter, and I have something like 4,000 followers. It's not a huge following, but it's a good sample Mm -hmm. Would you consider yourself introvert or extrovert? And you would think it would probably split down the middle, but it didn't. It was 85% I'm an introvert. That told me either I've just followed lots of introverts on Twitter or lots of people claim to be introverts when they're potentially not. So Mm -hmm. there's that going on. But then as you've identified, there are introverts who, who are classically introverted in terms of they get their energy from being on their own. As opposed to people who are just shy and that's not the same thing so my focus i guess for this podcast is is not the classically introverted but the people who are just shy they're kind of scared about showing up online because they're not sure how people are going to react it's it's a fear it's maybe more of a what would you call it social anxiety hmm. and f- that was me for a long time i came up with every excuse under the sun for not showing up online. I tried to hire people to do it in my business, tried to delegate it. Uh, I built up a great business, but mainly through networking, not through showing up online. And I think I came to the point where I realized, A, that wasn't really very scalable. And it meant that it was because I'm networking in a relatively small catchment area, I'm in the remote Northeast of Scotland, but it's probably the same where you are in California your catchment area as a as a networking pool, you'll run out of opportunities eventually. Sure. And so again, you can't necessarily do your best work because you're not reaching the right people. And the easiest way to do that is building your profile online, building your personal brand and building your influence. So I came to the point where I realized I just have to do this. Now, although I'm quite a shy person, and I guess I came to this point where I had this realization that, Bob, you need to suck it up. You just need to do it. And I am blessed to have lots of friends like you that are, they know what they're doing online from a personal brand perspective, from an influence perspective. It's something that they cultivate. So I've got lots of great role models and I could reverse engineer what works quite easily, but in simple terms, you need to show up where people are and you need to express yourself. It's that simple, but it sounds simple, but for somebody that's very shy, it's just simple, but terrifying. Just because something's simple doesn't mean it's easy. Now, I guess to shortcut the story, I've done a lot of scary things in my life. I worked for 10 years as a reserve search and rescue officer. So I've done a lot of scary things. I was an army reservist for a few years. So again, I'm quite accustomed to doing scary things. But for some reason, this showing up online was scaring me. And I had a moment where I really thought, well, how do they teach you to do scary things in the coast guard or in the army? And I thought, well, they just put you in a slightly awkward situation. See how you cope with that. You adapt to it. You assimilate and your comfort zone slowly expands. It expands very, very slowly, but it's very elastic. So it was exactly the same with showing up. It was, I mean, some, for me, something as simple as a selfie was crippling. I couldn't do it. So just Very slowly expanding out into more and more challenging things. And it came to the point where now YouTube for me is second nature. Instagram stories are second nature, but they weren't for a long time. So that's the long answer to your question, Neil. Sorry.
0: Uh, No, no, not at all. And you know, I'm just reflecting. I haven't announced this. Well, by the time this podcast is published, I might be announcing it, but I actually am launching a second podcast with a partner. And uh, yesterday, we interviewed two very, very successful entrepreneurs that have built. One built a company that he sold to Coca-Cola. Another one built the largest uh, used car chain in, in the United States called CarMax. And what's really interesting, both of them talking, they, they both now work at VCs. They're like presidents of VC funds. And when they say what they look for in an entrepreneur is someone that can handle crises. Because mm. at some point, in a business there's going to be a crisis whether it's you know self-inflicted or from competition it's just it's not easy and you you constantly have to pivot and deal with these crisis situations and i almost think that showing up if if you're not able to do that as a business owner, as an entrepreneur, you're not going to be able to deal with actually more critically important crises to, to your business. Yeah. Um. So if you think about that, and, and as you were talking about your experience, well, how would they teach you to deal with emerging situations? They try to put you in an emergency situation or as, as close to it as possible so that you experience it. So like anything else in life, it's it's repetition. The more you do it the easier it becomes. And it's just that that initial trigger point. And really, hopefully everyone listening got inspiration from Bob. And if you didn't, maybe you saw it the other way around with, with what I was talking about. And what's also really interesting is that not only were these two very successful entrepreneurs talking about the ability to deal with crises and emergencies and constantly pivot, but also that even if you're an entrepreneur, the success of your business doesn't come down to you, it comes down to your team. Because one person can't do it all and you need to have an experienced team together. And that comes down to networking. That comes down to teamwork. That comes down to something that you need to be, you need to be able to voice opinions in a room and you need to be able to listen to opinions and and what have you. So I'm very much an introvert in many ways as well. When I go to conferences, I just sort of do my own thing. Right. And maybe a lot of other people are like that as well. But, you know, at, at some point you have to, you have to be out there. If I believe, if you want to be successful in business, right? Because you're not going to sell to yourself. You're going to deal with other people along the way. And if that isn't an an impetus, I I don't know what else could be.
1: Yeah. I remember when I was just starting my business, it's just, it must be around 20 years ago. I was sharing an office with my dad who runs a software company. I think he's retired now. He's in his seventies. But he told me the story of a guy who used to come around before he ran a software company. He was looking after He's an engineer. So he was looking after oil rigs mm. and he was in charge of all the maintenance for a fleet of oil rigs. And he told me the story of a guy who sold O-rings to the company. It's a little rubber ring. They use mm-hmm. them for sealing pipes. Yep. And he's, they had a company that sold them O-rings. They used the same company for five, 10 years. And there was another guy who wanted the business. And he would come around once a week with a box of cookies for the guys in the warehouse and say, do you need any O-rings? And they would say, no, no, we get them from the other guy. But one day the other guy didn't turn up. So the warehouse guy went up to the office and said, we've got no O-rings. We need O-rings. So he called the cookie guy. And that for me was quite a powerful lesson that you need to be the guy people know. But now we have the internet and you can do that at scale. So you can show up for people regularly. You can be their friend. It's difficult for a lot of people, but yeah, this is what you need to do.
0: Yeah. You know, the message for me with that is it's very similar to how social media algorithms work and the recommendation by all experts, including my own about consistency, right? Mm. Is that if you, if you show up consistently, the algorithm recognizes that you have a greater chance of showing up in the feeds of your potential customers consistently. And once you sort of stay off, you take your foot off the gas pedal, you know, post for a few months, it opens up the window for your competitors to win that mindshare. It's all about mindshare and it's a never ending battle. And the only way to maintain it is to keep bringing cookies every week, to keep showing up every week and and in social media and in podcasting, Bob, I think you, I mean, you've, how many episodes are you on your podcast now? You've been doing this for quite some time, right?
1: Yeah. I think it's something like episode 120. Okay. So this is-
0: 120 interviews. Yeah. And, and I'm getting close to 200, which I should reach, you know, early in 2021, but it's the same thing with podcasting. I mean, if you don't show up for a few weeks, people are going to subscribe to other podcasts. It's, you know, there's a capacity and you need to fill it. So I, I think that's really a great message for anyone listening. And I sort of wanted to move on to, you know, something else when we were talking about, you know, recording this episode of, you know, maybe some things that keep introverts away from showing up is that they want to be liked. And not only do they want to be liked, they want to be liked by everyone. And you think that it's actually a good thing if you're not liked by everyone. And I have my own angle on this, but I, I definitely wanted to hear what your advice is on that.
1: Well, when I survey my audience or or anyone, one of the first things they tell me is they're worried about a negative reaction. And what I've found is, yep, yeah, A, you're, if you have a small audience, and I'm talking about sort of the average business owner or the average consultant, the average person on LinkedIn, let's say, they maybe have 800 connections. I think that's kind of normal if you've been trying. If you post something on social media, A, you're unlikely to get any reaction. That's normal. But I did some studies on the psychology of this, and apparently, Science says something along the lines of one third of people that we meet are not going to like us. That's just normal. One third of people are going to be quite ambivalent. They're not really going to care what we say. But one third of people, doesn't matter who you are, will strongly resonate with what you have to offer. And everything you should, everything you do online should really be for that third of people that are just naturally, scientifically going to connect with it. They're going to like it. And you have to accept, in fact, you have to embrace that the other two-thirds of people don't really matter to you. They're not your audience. There will be a small proportion. One-third who won't like it might be a tiny slice of that one-third or vocal about it, but you can't have success online without accepting that two-thirds of people are not for you. So that's my philosophy, and I think the more you scale up your audience, the more you scale up your your influence – the more you have to accept that the tiny slice that are going to be actively against you are there. But that is a really strong sign that the small slice that are going to be, Oh my God, Bob gentle, Neil Schaefer they are the best there. You can't have one without the other. It's positive and negative. You can't have a strong attraction without a strong repelling effect.
0: Yeah. Those are really wise words. And hopefully that provides a lot of inspiration to people. I know that, you know, I go back to my sales days where with every rejection, you're getting that much closer to winning a deal. Right. Yeah. And, you know, facing rejection is something you have to do. I have had, you know, people, why do I get unfollowed in social media? And i say, who cares? Right. At the end of the day as as Pat Flynn loves to say, your, your vibe attracts your tribe. And that's, that's just natural, but that's, you know, if you worry about those that don't like you you fail to serve those that do like you so i think and it's, you know it's a, yeah
1: i was gonna say and you know what's really exciting about that it gives you permission to be yourself because if you put out the right signal the signal that's most strongly and uniquely you that's going to attract the people that are connecting to you genuinely because of you not because of someone you're pretending to be and for me that was quite liberating and I, that's something i really want everybody to listen to is you don't have to pretend to be neil Schaefer. you don't have to pretend to be bob gentle or pat flynn or anyone else if you show up as you there is an audience for you that will love you guaranteed science says
0: yeah that's awesome and i think so many people just try to be people they're not and that's really the reward for showing up is that you find if you're not creating content you're not showing up you don't find those people that love you and, or, and, or that love your product. And it's just a, it's a vicious circle that, you know, prevents you from, from experiencing that. So that's really great advice. I wanted to also, you know, ask you in in terms of finding your own voice as an influencer, as a company, because it's so easy to look over our shoulder and, you know, look at all these other people out there or other businesses that are successful and, probably you know unconsciously we're we're sort of emulating or, or copying some of the things they do right so in marketing and you know you have a marketing podcast i have a marketing podcast and there's tons of people that have all sorts of marketing advices and that's not a plural marketing advice and choices how do you sort of take all that and put it into your own context in terms of you or your business
1: there are lots of different frameworks that you can use. You'll have heard of lots of different frameworks. But one of the challenges I think most people seem to have is this whole thing where you'll see some people online saying you just throw money at ads. It's it's all you need to do. Then you have another group of people who are saying content. And then you have another group of people that are saying just YouTube or podcast. And it's really, really hard for the average person to prioritize, to put that into any kind of order. So one of the frameworks I find myself coming back to again and again is what I call the content portfolio. And I use the analogy of an investment portfolio. So when you speak to any kind of investment advisor, they'll tell you, you should have short-term investment, medium-term investment, and long-term investments. Mm -hmm. Short-term investments in this context are what I would, I would say ads. So paid content because it And the reason I I call them short-term investments is because they, you start paying today, you'll see a return tomorrow, but it's quite an expensive, high-risk investment. If you don't have a big budget, it's not really where you should put all your money or all your investment rather. Mm -hmm. Then medium-term investments, that would be social content, social networking. You start investing in that today, you'll see a benefit in maybe three to six months. And that's fine. That's where a lot of people seem to spend a lot of their time. But then there's long-term investments. And long-term investments, they pay a very, very high interest rate. But most agencies won't tell them tell you to do them because they involve a lot of pain. And that's really where we've got things like podcasts, blogging, and YouTube. I would say, maybe to put them in order, blog, podcast, and YouTube. And the reason I think they... you. Anybody should really spread their investment across all three in an ideal world. You should have short-term investments on paid content. You should be doing social media, social content, but you should also be doing a long-term play as well because they pay compound interest over time at a high rate. But it might take you a year or two years to really see that benefit come. But when it comes, it's massive. But you also have the benefit when you make that short-term play that you can bring it into your medium-term content mix as well. And it really makes you stand out. So that's one framework that I find very useful and I come to it often because it helps clients understand how they can start making sense of the NASA control room, if you see what I mean.
0: Yeah, that's a actually a brilliant analogy. And in all my years, I've never heard it put uh, in those terms. So I think that's really, really helpful. There, There is a need to diversify. And I love how... You know, that short, medium, long-term makes a lot of sense. And obviously the biggest gains to be made are those long-term and not all of them pan out, but you know, it's sort of like the 80, 20 rule of 20% do, then that's where you get tremendous ROI and you're not paying ads in order to get that ROI, right? It, it becomes part of, and and it becomes this long-term ROI as we see with, with content. I just actually today published an episode, I'm dating this uh, podcast recording date, but uh, about content. Discover discoverability and longevity and really focusing on that long-term ROI that you talked about. Cause so many people only look at the short or the midterm. Yeah. And I mean, the name of this podcast is Maximize Your Social Influence. And I began my career in marketing as a social media marketer. So I see the benefits of it, but I also see a lot of companies that focus so much in the social media on the midterm that they forget the long term. And you can't really have you know, I believe, like you, that that's really where the biggest bang for the buck is. But yeah, agencies want to sell a quick story. They want to show quick wins. And uh, yeah, I, I couldn't agree with you more. So that's that—that's really brilliant. Hopefully that's going to resonate with a lot of people to keep keep all that advice in flux. And you know what? No one with their advice is wrong. It's all based on experiences. Yeah. And, you know, Bob, you've worked with you know, I'm sure dozens of companies through your career, I've worked with dozens of companies. And it's really those that just start podcasts that just base it on their own personal brand, where they haven't worked with a lot of companies, they're only working with a singular set of experience. And therefore, it's always going to be, you know, aligned with their personal experience, what they've experienced. And therefore, you should do this where I really think, like everything else in life, diversity is key, and listening to a lot of different people, right? Listening to the Bob Gentles, the Neil Schaffers, the and and really, you know, at the end of the day, if you want to be successful in business, you need to be a, a, a critical thinker. You need to be able to think, you know, in, in in analog terms of all this information, and make it your own. And I think that investment portfolio is really a great way to synthesize all that information and really pick and choose and find the gems that are going to drive your business forward.
1: Yeah, I think it it really does because you can start to understand. Okay, I need I need, the long term plays. They're painful for a lot of people, especially introverts. They are difficult, challenging things to do. Yeah. And you're not going to do that unless you really understand that there is going to be a payoff. There's going to be an ROI because it's a mountain to climb for some people. But the nice thing is, yes, if you climb it, there is the payoff, but you're right. I think if I walk into any corporate and I tell them, you're going to need to start a YouTube channel there's a very good chance they're going to send me back out the door and they're going to hire the agency that said, you just need to do ads.
0: Yeah. Is Bob on crack or what YouTube channel? <laughs> what's he talking about? We should be doing yeah. Facebook ads. Yeah. I hear you, but you know, what's really amazing though is, and I'm just thinking from my own experience in blogging of, you know, recently publishing a, a guest blog post and seeing the next day it appear in the top 10 search results, or as I gain more authority in in certain things on my own blog seeing my own new blog posts, not take a year or two to get to page one, but literally appear within a week. So that's where it gets really exciting when you, but, but it takes time to get there because you need to build authority. You know, Google doesn't know who you are. YouTube doesn't know who you are. Apple podcasts don't know who you are until you have a track record and you build a community and you build that engagement. So that's really the exciting thing. I wanted to ask you, Bob, you put blog, podcast, YouTube in that order. I would have put blog, YouTube, podcast. So, I'm really curious as to why you put that priority order the way you did.
1: The reason I did it is I'm looking at the repurposability of the content. So, how okay. much juice can you squeeze from each piece of content? So, when you do a YouTube video, you probably have a script of some kind that you could use as a solo podcast episode. Mm-hmm. You could also use that same script as a blog post. So, you've had three hits potentially. Whereas with a blog post, If that's where you're stopping, you're not going to have those additional hits. So that's that's where how I'm prioritizing that. It's yeah,
0: repurposability makes a lot of sense. And man, we could have a whole separate conversation about that. But (laughs) um, okay, so Bob, you know we're advantageously we're recording this near the end of the year, and I just like I said published an episode of my advice of where you should put your marketing uh, buck for the biggest bang, and that is more in that long term content that you talked about what is your advice for you know the entrepreneurs the marketers the business owners that are listening you know moving into 2021 and this might even publish at the beginning of 2021 but nevertheless what are the trends that you see and where are you recommending your clients to be focusing more on in the new year
1: i think if i look in terms of a a force multiplier for me you can you can create all kinds of content but as soon as you put a face on that content, it's it's more potent. It's more powerful. Something I was thinking the other day, if you drive down the the road, freeway, highway, motorway, whatever you call them, the big roads in your country, mm-hmm. the brain's taking in a million impressions every second. And what's interesting is if you can imagine driving down the road, you're taking in all these impressions. If you see somebody standing at the side of the road and they're looking directly at your car, you're going to remember that all day long. Hmm. And the brain is doing the same thing when you're scrolling. So just think about that when you're creating any kind of content. How can I use my face? Because the brain is hardwired to con- to to pay attention to faces. So that would I know it's not very technical, it's not very contenty but your face is the most powerful thing you've got it doesn't matter if you think you're your butt ugly it's a powerful thing
0: i couldn't agree with you more bob and as i was writing the age of influence and realizing when you look at podcasting and when you look at youtube and when you look at social media it's dominated by people not brands yeah and i realized that the more you show of yourself of your raw humanness the more and deeper you can actually connect with others. And this is a challenge for business owners. I I was just listening to another podcast today, you know, classic small business owner. They have business social media profiles. They have personal social media profiles. What should they do? I, you know, I turned off, I I used to have a blog called Maximize Social Business. I moved it to neilschafer.com. One singular Neil Schaefer, because I realized that when, and, and maybe this is just for the coaches and consultants listening, but I realized that people didn't want to do business with, a maximized social business or PDCA social, which is the name of my current company. They want to do business with Neil Schaefer. And I think that's a great place to be because then it's hard to compete, right? It's the branding, the emotion it's all sort of tied together in this personal connection. That's really hard for a brand to get into. So I couldn't agree with you more about showing more of who you are and really getting deeply emotional because that's what's going to create those tides. That's what's going to create those impressions. Like you talk about driving down the highway uh, of remembering people.
1: I think it's not just for the consultants and and the the, the freelancers though. It's if you look at any business, you look at Tesla or SpaceX, or you look at Virgin or you look at Amazon, you know, who's at the top of those businesses. It's true. And you know, who's at the top of those businesses because those people put themselves out there and, people connect with those businesses quite differently. And on an emotional level, it's very, very different. So I think this is available to any company. You can create a different kind of emotional connection, loyalty, by using your personal brand and your personal influence.
0: That's very well said, Bob. And no, you're absolutely right. And I always talk about with, you know, employee as influencer, the biggest influencer in any organization is the person on top. Mm. And and when they leverage that, and, and I can see how... You know, we could talk about humanizing brands, what have you. But definitely, when we think of Tesla, we think of Elon Musk. And if there was no Elon Musk, we'd still obviously admire Tesla, but maybe not to the degree the degree that we're tied to that product, knowing that it was built by one of the most brilliant minds in in, you know that that of our generation at least, right? It's Um, a company that
1: has a story. Yeah, that somebody's telling it.
0: And we resonate with stories and we resonate with people. So that's really great advice to sort of close out this episode of the Maximize Your Social Influence podcast. Bob, where can people go to find out more about uh, you, your business, and your podcast?
1: You will find my podcast, if you, in any player, just search the Digital Marketing Entrepreneur Show. You'll find me online at Bob Gentle everywhere, except TikTok, because I'm having trouble with that one.
0: Okay. And the name of your business, your website?
1: My website is amplifyme.agency.
0: Awesome. Well, there you have it, everybody. We'll put those in the show notes. Bob, thank you so much for coming on the show. You've offered some really great and, and really refreshing, unique advice that I hope everybody listening will take advantage of.
1: No, thank you. I have had great fun and you have been an awesome host. I can't wait to listen.
0: Thank you so much, Bob. Hey, I hope you enjoyed that episode. And I just want to thank you for being a loyal listener. I will continue to work for your continued subscription in 2021 and beyond. And I want to thank those that have gone out of their way to actually write a recommendation for this show on their favorite podcast app. I want to give a shout out to Great Job Pat M, who recently reviewed this podcast A great insight into all things digital and social media. I've been listening to Neil for several months now. Parentheses, I know late to the game. Hey, you're never late to the game in digital and social. I've always been saying that. I'll continue to say that. And I've learned so much from his podcast. Every episode is packed with knowledge that I can use in my digital social strategy right away. 1010 would recommend for all marketers and business owners looking to get a leg up in the digital world. Thank you so much, Pat. And really, it's comments like these that really keep me going over the next few months, I am on my way to releasing a few new digital resources for you as I prepare for my next book. And I really hope to be launching that group business coaching community so that I can give personalized attention to more and more of my listeners who might need my advice for their business. If you'd like some one-on-one help, just another reminder, I do have a, I call it fractional CMO consulting, but it's basically marketing coaching on a one-on-one basis where we meet at least one hour a week for a few months and we can get a heck of a lot accomplished even at that rate. So if you're interested, I'll leave the uh, link in the show notes. But regardless of all of this, if you want to keep up to date, just make sure that you go to my website, neilshafer.com and in any one of the opt-in widgets, either on a desktop on the right-hand side or on mobile at the very bottom that you sign up and make sure you don't miss out when I have something exciting to announce. Hey, that's it for this week's episode of the Maximize Your Social Influence podcast. Wherever you are in the world, make it a great virtual social day. Bye-bye, everybody, and sayonara.